We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Brew Hoop Podcast. As you can tell, this is not Adam Paris. He came down with a little stomach bug, and part of it was probably because of watching last night's game. But I am Kyle Carr, and I am joined by my good friend Riley Feldman. Riley, how is it going? It's been a while. It's been a while since we last recorded. Uh, it has been a while. Um, I'm doing okay. We're having a little bit of a thaw up here. I went, we found recently in St. Paul, a new brunch place called Hope Breakfast Bar, which we've gone to now two weekends in a row uh, with friends. Where is it located? It's, um, I'm like really bad with the neighborhoods. Uh, do you know like where the Children's Hospital is in St. Paul? Yes. So it's like Kitty Corner from there. I don't know okay. what the, it's like, it's uh, St. Clair and I don't know what the cross street is. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I, so, I remember that location yeah, so i think it's been open for like three years um but it's like really the the menu is obviously a travesty for your body like i would not want to be interested at all in the nutrition facts but that means it's delicious and it was good for the past two weeks um and besides that i think it was a good time to get a break from basketball it's you know i'm not i'm down to watch bucks basketball whenever but we were kind of little iffy going into the break and i i always look at all-star break i'm like well this is just a good excuse to not watch basketball for like a week or not get concerned about it so i enjoyed my time away uh did not enjoy the thunderous return of the milwaukee bucks but we'll talk about that a little bit how about you how does it feel to be in the year 20 at the fan of a team who's a champion of something in the year of our lord 2022 because the bucks are champions but they haven't done it yet in 2022. How does it feel to be today on this podcast a champion? It was the it was a stressful, the most entertaining <laughs> 0-0 game a soccer game could be. Liverpool beating Chelsea. It's great because I also can give my brother a bunch of shit because he is a Chelsea fan. And when <laughs> I talk to him, he's going to hear it. And I can't wait for all the excuses he's going to come up with. We Sterling and I tried FaceTime with my mom last night, and she conveniently was not available for a long call. I think she knew that I was going to give my brother all the crap and <laughs> is protecting him like she always does. But otherwise, <laughs> no, things are good. Uh, yeah, this weekend was good. I met up with a friend. And we got brunch uh, downtown in Madison. It was pretty good. The breakfast burrito. I'm a big dry tortilla type of breakfast burrito person. Like I don't I like smothered burritos, but not for breakfast burrito. So having that mm-hmm. be dry was great. Uh, I got to see Ford Madison play a soccer game. Uh, it was their first preseason friendly, and they were playing Marquette. So I got to go back to Milwaukee and stopped at Cops, which was always a delightful time. And, yeah, today I got to watch Liverpool win. It, it was pretty good. I also enjoyed the break from basketball. It's kind of a I don't need to care about the all-star break. It, it mm-hmm. Like, 
older me has realized that I get the appeal of it, but it's just not, it's just not interesting to me. If, if there's nothing worth it, like if a Bucks player was in a slam dunk contest that I actually think could win, I'd be invested. Or if there was a Bucks player that I think could win a three point shootout, I would probably watch it. But we, we said, you know, Giannis and his brothers would probably not win the skills challenge and they did not. <laughs> no, they didn't. The slam dunk contest, I guess, was terrible and the game itself was whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, I don't know how much. Did you watch any of All Star break activities? Uh, I didn't. No. I saw the Giannis block on Chris, which is hilarious. I saw Giannis acting like he didn't know it was Chris after the fact, which is also hilarious. Uh, no, it, the thing is, now that we have somebody who is routinely a starter and or captain for the All-Star game, it's not that it loses its appeal, but there was something different about really being in there like, please, God, let Brandon Jennings be the 16th pick after multiple injuries. And like, you know, or a Michael Red, you're like, this is this is amazing. We have an All-Star. When you have somebody who's going to consistently be there and play a whole bunch, obviously Giannis is a lot of fun. He's like the most competitive guy out there until the fourth quarter when like everybody gets competitive. Uh, but it's a little, I don't know. It, the all-star has like this weird vicious cycle where it's like, Oh, this totally online like fan base comes in and they're like, well, what? let's do some wowing things. And then it doesn't live up to it. And then everybody just keeps every year. It's like, Oh, it sucks. And then it's like, Oh, it doesn't live up to it. Oh, it sucks. And it's just keep, like, you know, this is, it's got bad rep right now. The all-star weekend. I, it's not that it's an awful thing. But it does have a bad rap, unfortunately. I yeah, I think also Giannis getting the All Star Game MVP. It's like there's nothing else for any Bucks player to. <laughs> what what do we have to look to look forward to? Like it's cool. Yes, I can understand the appeal of Steph Curry just bombing threes left and right and draining them. Like I get the appeal of it. I get the appeal of you know dudes doing dunks. Like I, I get the appeal of the All Star Game. Like it's just a fun exhibition until they take it seriously. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Like, it's, I'm not expecting them to go all out. It, I would say, out of the other all star games, it's at least the most entertaining. Like, baseball has the most stakes, but I feel like that's, you have to try and make baseball interesting. Like, you have to force it. With the NBA all star games, like, you have enough dudes that have enough of a personality and you know who they are and you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting to see how they interact. So it gets to the point where, okay, this is going to be fun. All star weekend, I think the problem with the slam dunk contest is, after the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon dunk contest, I don't know. You can never top it. And I think people are still expected to get to that level. And I just don't see it realistically happening because also every dunk that someone has done, like like every dunk has, that has been done in the past. So it's kind of hard to think of anything more creative mm-hmm. that is within the human body. And granted, I'm sure they'll think of some. I'm sure there's going to be someone that's going to be able to do unreal things because with just improved nutrition and sports science and everything, I'm sure it's going to change, but there's also the expectation that people think it's going to be this revolutionary thing. It's just not going to, I appreciate that they try and do things like the skill challenge and make things to at least try to do something. Just bring the shooting stars competition back. And that would solve a lot of problems in my opinion. Like we, we need that. This is why the three point shooting contest is like, almost the marquee event of the weekend because it's very straightforward. Everybody does the same exact thing. And it's like impressive to watch guys drain a whole bunch of threes. Like it's very simple, straightforward. Carl Anthony Towns won it this year around. Unfortunately, they didn't let Bobby shoot. They should have done that. But 
Like that's why it's the most fun event or one of the ones people look forward to. Cause like the skills challenge, it doesn't seem like the guys understand what's even happening. And it's mostly an F off event, which is fine. And then the dunk contest, like I said, it's just, it's tough to be creative. The, um, is it rising stars? Is that the sophomores rookies game or whatever? Yeah, and I think yeah. they changed that too. So I think that had a different format. Yeah. They, they keep working at it and I think that's fine. Um, but you just got to keep it simple. It's whatever. They're not going to convince me to watch for me every single year. It's a break to watch from basketball. I'll watch like the highlights after the fact or like the fourth quarter I know has been impre- like entertaining of the all-star game because of the Elam ending, which is good. I'm glad they did that. I think that's a cool worth like worthwhile change, but it's not enough for me to watch. I never watched the all-star game. So yeah, that hasn't and, changed in years. It's it's always how it's been. And I think now that with social media, like everyone can just find things quickly. It's taken out that because I feel like with the dunk contest as well, you had to watch it in real time to see what they pulled off. And now with Twitter, you can probably find the dunk like 10 seconds after it was done. So I, mm-hmm. I don't need to go and sit in front of a TV. I can just scroll on my phone and eventually get the recap, which is what I did with the all star game as well. It's like, OK, let's just see the highlights. OK, yes. Giannis blocking Chris. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was funny because he's act like he didn't see him, which is everyone knows he's lying. Mm-hmm. Makes it even funnier. So I don't know. It, it's also it's all it's just all star festivities. No one. Mm-hmm. If you're actually wanting it to be the serious competitive thing, then you need to watch baseball. I guess that that's the only thing I got. But now here's here's my only follow up question. Then we'll move off of all star because I have nothing else to say. If it comes to Milwaukee, would you go to? I'm, I probably already asked this before. Would you go to All Star events? Like, if it was in Milwaukee, I would definitely try. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would make an attempt. Okay. Whether it would depend on how many how much tickets were for each of the things, but I would attempt to go. Yeah. Which do, is there like? So let's say you had to choose just one event you could go to. Which one would you pick? Would it be like the main All Star game, or? I think I'd do the. I think I would do uh, actually. I would do, yeah, I would probably do the the main All-Star game. Because yeah. I remember when the MLB All-Star game came to Milwaukee, and I went to the Home Run Derby, and that was awesome, and I loved yeah. it. And then I also went to the game itself, and that was, of course, when it ended in a freaking tie. So <laughs> I, I, I got the best of both worlds when that happened. So, no, yeah. I, I would at least, I would say if I had to power rank, it'd be the game itself, and then All-Star Saturday, and maybe i would go to friday because it's probably gonna be cheap as hell yeah okay i agree i think it would be cool if you were like in the city but outside of that it's tough so okay all star great just close enough that i would make a drive and maybe like stay at my mom's or at least stop by like but maybe i take like a day off and like hang out with my mom for the day and then go over yeah shout out to you chris middleton five points in your all-star game good good job not the lowest amount though so (laughs) that that's what matters that's it is what matters. That's all we got on All-Star. Yeah, that if you want more in-depth All-Star coverage, I don't know where to go for that. But <laughs> um, also what happened during this time was buyout season. So the Bucks had a couple roster spots they had to fill. So one of them went to DeAndre Bembry. I think that one happened right before the break, and he was hurt, so he didn't even get to play in the Sixers game. That's a promising sign. And then the other <laughs> signing they made was guard Javon Carter, uh, who was on the Nets. And the Nets uh, released him to add Goran Dragic, someone that Milwaukee was apparently really trying to add on the roster. I don't know, Riley. I guess for me, my only thing was if you were on Bucks Twitter crying that the Bucks couldn't get Goran Dragic, you need to go touch some grass. Okay. Now on to the Nets game. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> 
Uh, as well said, I I would have forgiven him on some level if he can't come here and joined us, but I was not as distraught as others were uh, when we did not get him. I think the Bembry signing is promising. I, I think both Bembry and Carter are both promising because they're defense first guys, which if that's going to be the case, they in theory then have a claim to playing in the rotation. These aren't guys who you're going to be like, oh, he's just not going to play at all. They both have a chance to play Carter in the near term because George Hill doesn't have a neck anymore, as far as we can tell. Um, and Bembry as like the Chris backup sort of like just defensive guy, wing guy. Both of them are promising. They don't do anything on offense, which is fine. Uh, we don't really use anybody besides the big three on offense and Bobby, I should say. Um, and early returns in the Nets game, they seemed like they had a lot of good energy, but you could tell the communication is off. That's partially because they literally have been with the team for like probably two or three practices total as a unit. Um, but those two, if you told me, oh, we're going to get two defensive specialists, a guard and a wing, I'd be like, that's, I mean, all things considered, that's, that's pretty good. In theory, Goran Dragic would have been nice if George, especially if George Hill is like a lost cause, that's going to be uh, a huge issue. Then in that case, I could see, yes, you really want to get this guy. Um, but assuming George Hill comes back at some point and is somewhat useful, I understand that a third point guard is like a ball handler, somebody you might need. You know, it, it's hard for me to get like really hyped up about it. I think the guys we got are totally fine for the limited roles they're going to have on this team. Yeah, I feel like at least with these two, and especially Javon Carter, it's what if you took the Gnosis's energy and just made it less chaotic? Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm not, yeah, they're not going to be any benefits on offense. You know, maybe if they make a good cut, they'll get a layup. Maybe yeah. they'll shoot an open three every once Occasional in a while. Three. Yep. But, I'm not expecting much. I think it would help on the defensive side, especially if they're going to go with more of a switching aspect. Then, and with Carter, I think you could have him and Drew out there, and that could cause a lot of issues for a lot of teams at yeah. the very least. Like they're going to like Carter is a dog. Like he is going to be in your face. He's going to be relentless, and that is encouraging at the very least. That it doesn't Drew is not the only person that is fully capable of doing that. I think DeAndre Bembry probably gives you a little bit more athleticism than Wes would, but obviously he doesn't have the shooting capability of Wes. So it, it, it at least defensively could be a good option for a couple teams. Now, none of this matters if Brooke Lopez isn't healthy, but yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. yeah the Goran Dragic, it would have been nice to get another ball handler. Sure. Whatever. Am I going to act like Goran Dragic is going to be this huge missing piece. I mean, they got away with Jeff Teague. So, you know, if they can get away with Jeff Teague, then I, I'm not as concerned. It's annoying that he went to Brooklyn, but it also seems fitting that he would go to Brooklyn as well. So it's just I, I can never get too overly emotional about buyouts because most of the time there there's a reason why most of these guys are on the market mm-hmm. because they are either washed or they completely decide to ring chase and they might have a little bit left in the tank. Like there's very few times where a buyout guy has really made a substantial impact. And the only one I can think of off the top of my head is literally Jeff Teague in one game in the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I understand why people would be somewhat upset or like disappointed that we were able to get Dragic because he, like I said, as of even just a year ago, he was still a pretty high level player, even though he's getting up there in age. I, doubt he does much on defense besides be like do trashy stuff but 
he is like a good facilitator and he we saw in the Nets game like he still has moments on offense where it's like okay this is like a, a useful guy totally get where people come from there especially with at times when Drew or Chris are like they cannot get off the schneid for the life of them or they're just deferring shots you're like okay I can understand why people would want that guy as an archetype um and it's always nice to have talented guys but I, I'm just not gonna get too torn up about it there's every chance that like you said if Javon Carter ends up getting the Jeff Teague spot, uh, Jeff Teague did, besides that one game, he really didn't do a whole bunch on offense, and he was, you had to hide him. You had to white-knuckle it, like, please don't go towards Jeff Teague on defense. There's even a possibility he's a, an above player than what Jeff Teague was at that time. Like, he's not going to be asked to create a whole bunch outside of, like, one or two possessions, and even then he should just give it to Drew or Chris or whoever and just get out the way. And if he, on defense, like you said, with Drew, if he pairs up, if he gives us the kind of point of attack defense that right now as a unit, we're kind of lacking because we're doing this weird hedge switch sort of, I don't even know what the hell we're doing on defense. If he can give you something that's a little more like with more bite at a point of attack on a pick and roll um, and keep the pressure on, especially when Brooke Lopez is back. Uh, I think all that is to the best. Bembry is a little bit harder because you're right that he's more agile than West. So in theory, if we're doing like a switching heavy, defense he could probably do a better job of covering and Wes he's strong Wes is stronger than Bembry I think so he's probably better at like man-to-man standing a guy up but if the whole idea is just keep the pressure on while we blitz or switch them then maybe Bembry's a better fit even though he's a negative on offense so we'll see about him I'm probably more optimistic about Carter than I am Bembry I would Um, agree and even then like I said don't get too hyped up. Do not expect these guys to have a lot of minutes. Do not expect them to do a whole bunch. Um, they're just, they're here and hopefully they have a couple of plus defensive possessions. That's what I'm looking for, which would be good. That's helpful. Yeah. Like I would not roll my eyes if I saw Carter check in for a game. I would not be like, why is he out there? That might change if, you know, he just does not offer anything on defense, but yeah, I feel confident that he will at the very least be a neutral If not a positive. So if I see him on the court, I'll be fine. Bembry, it'll be a whatever. Sure, why not give it a shot at this point? So I, I, that's kind of where I'm at. I I think Carter is going to have more of an impact. I mean, come playoff time, these guys will maybe get five minutes in like the second quarter. We hope. Otherwise, something has terribly gone wrong. Yeah. Or it's a problem. So either there's a refing conspiracy and dudes are just racking up way too many (laughs) fouls or someone got injured. But I I don't expect them to be more than five to ten minute guys who play in like they'll play in the first half probably get some like late first quarter, early second quarter bits about the So how do you feel? One last thing. How do you feel about DeAndre Bambury's number being 95? Sure. Why not? (laughs) okay (laughs) i am always a you know what if you're gonna be a dude that probably won't play much just play an obscure number so that people will remember it yes 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 i am always like one of my favorite things in soccer is when they play like academy like u20 like kids that are like under 23 under 18 they're just like teenagers out there and they're wearing numbers that are just like 78 and 80 something it's like (laughs) yep they just didn't know what number to give and they just threw two numbers together because you know like the first team guys like the ones that are always going to be there they probably are somewhere in like the one to 20 range Mm -hmm. and like there's the occasional number outside of like a 30 or 40 and then you just get like a 16 year old probably just like left school and it's like 96 and it's like yep I, I enjoy this. So him going with 
Bembry going 95, totally fine with it. Totally right. That's why I loved Ursan's late career move to go with 77. I'm like, this is such a strange choice. I'm assuming somebody already had his number when he came back. I was like, why not 77? Let's do let's do it. So good good for you, DeAndre. I love love 95. That's a good pick. Go go with the obscure. But the other big news before the Nets game was Brooke was on the court doing individual drills. That seems okay, but made it seem like he was still a ways away, so it doesn't seem like he's going to be on the court anytime soon. But the fact that he is at least on the court and still alive, I'll take it. I have no idea what the timeline is. I was hoping we'd be like, he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. Like mid-March was my idea of like, this would be a good time to come back. Doesn't seem like mid to late March. Doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Um, I guess we're going to see. I don't know. Anybody else nervous about the big man having a back surgery and coming back? I I guess I, I just, I can't in my mind get over the fact that this dude, even if it was a minor procedure, uh, and I don't know if you read the piece. He had an interview with Eric named at the athletic and he was talking and Eric asked like, Oh, can you like explain it all about the surgery? And he like, Brooke was like, Oh, can I give that information? He like asked the Bucks <laughs> PR person. I was like, man, how secretive it's like the North Korea of NBA is what our, uh, what our organization is like. So fine. If you keep it close to the chest, uh, if he's getting exercise in, um, we've seen pictures of him at practice. He's working on a beard. I like the beard. I encourage the beard. Um, and God bless, we need him out there in a big way. Uh, I, I'm done. Bobby has done a great job. I am tired of seeing Bobby having to like give up 20 to 30 to 40 pounds against the center and just like doing everything he can in defense and it just doesn't work. Or us switching in Pat Connaughton or Grayson Allen having to defend Andre Drummond in the paint. So Brooke, please be healthy. <laughs> we really need you. Uh, and we're looking forward to having you back. Yeah, it was one thing when it was like, okay, I feel things will be fine because Brooke will be back at some point in March, and then he'll get time to gel, and the team will be okay, and whatever. I am now realizing the Bucks title more or less rests on a 34-year-old dude's back (laughs) recovering from surgery that he had mid-season after going months trying to be good enough to play. Now I'm starting to be like, ugh. That's the other thing is like, think about conditioning and stuff like that. That's probably maybe what I would be even a little more concerned about is maybe not so much his agility or his positioning. It's just simple conditioning. Like if he has been limited in what he can do, I've never had a back surgery. I don't know what they're allowed to do to like stay in shape, but that's tough to like come in and you have essentially like three or four weeks to get into game shape and I'm sure he could do it, but that would be something I'd be concerned about. It's just like simple conditioning. How long can he play out there for? Yeah. I mean, the positioning will probably still be there. The agility, it's not like he had that much before. So it's not, you know, it's not a major (laughs) loss, but it is definitely a, all right, are you going to be able to play, you know, 30 something minutes consistently for a seven game series with, you know, a day or two of rest in between? Yeah. That, that is more where I'm a little bit more concerned is just the, are you going to be able to do this for a playoff series? And at the rate that the East is going, it's probably going to be a six, seven game series each mm-hmm. round. Yeah. So can you do it then? You know, maybe games one and two, he'll be fine. And then he, the condition gets to him or vice versa. Maybe it takes him a while. And once he gets going, he's going to be okay. But yeah, I mean, him being on the court, like I said, it's at least promising, but no one, no one is saying when he's going to come back. I think that's also the frustrating thing. Cause now we're getting to, 
okay, is he coming back for the regular season? Can you mm-hmm. at least say if he's coming back before the regular season ends? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they gave us like, oh, we're just targeting, you just give me a wide target, like end of March, early April. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because that would give, excuse me, something to like look forward to, you know? Right now I watch these games like, well, we'd look different if Brooke is out there, but I have no idea if Brooke is coming back ever. So what what are we dealing with here? So I, whatever. It, we've talked so many times about the team not sharing any sort of information. This is obviously how they're going to play it. It, right. it is frustrating still that we have no idea, but whatever. Yeah, I, I think it will, if if I know he will play at some point in the regular season, that'll be good enough for me. Even if it's a yeah. no, then I'll be like, okay, cool. Lower my expectations. But maybe the reason is the Bucks, um they had a game. <laughs> finally. <laughs> they did. Yeah, they uh, did. They lost to the Brooklyn Nets, 126 to 123. I don't even know how to properly explain this game without banging my head against a table, but uh, Giannis had 29 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. Chris had 25 points. Drew had 19 and seven assists. Bobby Portis was pretty good. He was eight of 13 from three, which led to him having 30 points. Kyrie Irving had 38 points on 26 shots. And granted, a lot of that was boosted by free throws at the end, but he was unable to miss. It was, he was just hitting a lot of shots. The Bucks had 14 turnovers, which led to 27 Brooklyn points. And, you know, between the 13 missed free throws and the 14 turnovers. Oh, by the way, the third quarter, our best friend, the Nets scored 43 points. So, (laughs) Riley, I'll let you go first because you have watched this game more recently than I have. I watched it live. Riley watched it after the fact. So it it definitely, I think, will give two slightly different perspectives, although this message will still be the same. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. so I saw like the fallout of everybody like, oh my God, we're the worst team that's ever played. We need to abolish the team. And I was like, uh, you know, I understand it's frustrating to lose the first game. Then I loaded up the game. Then I started watching. I was like, oh my God, we're playing some of the dumbest basketball I've seen in like since we last played two weeks ago. So the Bucks have been wildly consistent in playing stupid basketball. The thing is in this game, the thing that I noticed the most was our two main issues on defense came through again. Maybe three main issues. First off, we're kind of lackadaisical. It doesn't seem like we play all that intensely on defense, which then bleeds into two and three. Two, the perimeter defense has been questionable for a while, I think, uh, whether it be Drew. He doesn't really fight through screens at all. Um, We kind of just do the switch right away. And sometimes we don't even like fake fight through the screen. Like we just give it up completely, uh, which was a huge issue because Kyrie Irving got, he, obviously he's a good player on ball. He can weave. He like has no problem on pick and roll, attacking the basket. He took advantage big time. Like if there's not going to be pressure on him and if the switch is going to be true into Wes's coverage, look, Wes is fine. I think he's, Adam messaged us when we're going to have Wes washed watch. We might have to bring that out, but he's like, he's fine, whatever. He just doesn't have the agility or like the ability to react and get in front of Kyrie or to like to wall him off. And even if he does, there's probably going to be enough space for Kyrie to stop and then create a little space to it, like get a shot up. That problem. And then finally, Andre Drummond, he went to the free throw line, I think seven times. He got seven free throws up. He only hit three of them. That's pretty typical. But Again, we get this switch on the perimeter and like Bobby Portis is out there trying to like sort of corral Kyrie Irving and then it's Wes or even if it is Bobby down low against an Andre Drummond, he's trying to like 
keep him out of the paint. It's obviously a big, difficult task for him. And even if he does a good job of getting Drummond to do like, a, you know, the shot isn't great, or even if it's somebody else who doesn't have a great shot, our defensive rebounding questionable at times. Bobby is not a great defensive rebounder. He taps it out. And Giannis, his positioning, uh, I think it's partially because he's like being the off defender guy. But there's so many times where it's like, I, you know, I just don't like the matchups of who is in the paint for like just even going up for rebounds. I'm like, okay, it's Jordan Wara and Bobby are the guys who are like in the paint going up for rebounds. And that is not going to go well for us. So there was just the main concern for me in this game Drew's turnovers, obviously, it was really stupid. He needs to clean all that up. But my main concern was on defense. It was like, we don't, aren't intense. All the issues we've had for the past couple of weeks, it just came through yet again. And the team should be disappointed because they're, the Nets were missing KD. They were missing Ben Simmons. We, we don't know how that group is going to look when they're all together. But this was a banged up Nets team, and it just it, it, was, it was not a good performance. So there was a lot about it. I was like, ooh. I don't know how this is going to look when we're all healthy, but it was it was not an encouraging evening for the Bucks at all. Yeah, other than Kyrie, it's not like anyone on Brooklyn was giving Milwaukee too many issues. Seth Curry going four of eight, while it's not great, you can live with that. Bruce Brown hit a late three, which hurt, but it's not as though this was a, okay, this was some random dude that never shoots the ball well and just got hot kind of game. This was a game that Milwaukee should have won. between the missed free throws, especially at the end, like Drew had a chance to tie it on free throws. He missed the, I think he missed one or two of them. Uh, Grayson Allen had missed the free throw late on, you know, Giannis missed, Giannis only missed four, which was good. Bobby Portis missed both of his. It was just one of those where you should have won this game just by making your free throws in general. And then yes, the turnovers, I mean, Drew had seven of them. And they were bad turnovers, but Chris had some pretty bad turnovers. I think Giannis had one because Jordan Moore was trying to go for the rebound and knocked it out of Giannis's hand. And then the Nets came back. I mean, Giannis wasn't that efficient from the floor. He was 8 of 20. He took six threes, which was the second highest. Again, Chris was doing Chris was shooting his way out of the slum. Like Chris offensively, this is probably one of the better performances we've seen from Chris recently. Yeah. And the thing that was the issue like you mentioned everything on defense which is all true and I think the biggest issue was the first half was a was an acceptable performance it was like yes there were still some dumb turnovers but Milwaukee was playing relatively well everything was fine I think they went into halftime with like a four point lead or something like it was a respectable first half and you're thinking okay clean up a little bit of the turnovers Giannis is going to get going like it's fine like Chris is fine he'll shoot out of it you are in a good enough position at some point these Kyrie shots will stop falling or at the very least you can just continue withstanding it by playing smart enough basketball getting the looks that you want because this team is still not defensively that great and then the third quarter was just a all hell everything fell apart Kyrie wasn't missing which did not help the situation but a lot of that was the lack of giving a damn in the pick and roll, there was no point of attack. There was no, it, it kind of was this like, are you hedging? Are you switching? Are you just making it up as you go kind of thing? And eventually, like in the fourth quarter, like Drew started to like actually try and pick up the ball, like pick the ball handler up and put more pressure. But it was too late by then. Like you can't allow 43 points ever. 
Like you can't do that. I don't care who it's against. I don't care what you're doing. This is not something you can accept. And the only reason why it wasn't as like the score wasn't as bad as it was because Milwaukee came out and scored 34 points. A lot of that was Bobby just getting hot. Mm-hmm. So it, it made it the more frustrating that you just bleed all these points in the third quarter, which has been a known issue. And I know they've asked, I think, I know Gabe asked Chris. I think he asked Bobby. I I think Eric name asked Bud. And at some point it's like, okay, what the hell are you guys doing mm-hmm. in halftime? Because this is not just a one-off. We've seen this over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and games that you've won comfortably and games that you won close. This has been a recurring problem that does not seem to be getting fixed. And that is, I think that was more my bigger issue was like watching the first half. It was a, okay, everything is fine. And then you have this third quarter in which you just throw it all away and it just annoys the living hell out of you. And then it gets to the fourth quarter and Brooklyn gets out to a large enough lead and you're thinking, okay, whatever, game's done. And the Bucks slowly make their way back in it. Even having a chance to, I think, either tie it or take the lead with Bobby Portis. He had the look. He had a good, it was after a timeout play. It was an inbound play. They got it to Bobby in the corner. Great play design. Exactly who you want. Unfortunately, gets blocked. Which is frustrating, but then it got to the free throws. And then the refs are calling for the shooting foul of Grayson Allen. And it's like, this is ridiculous. And we were saying it before we recorded. It's like neither team wanted to win. Whether it was the Nets just making stupid fouls or the Bucks not making free throws. Neither team wanted to win. And I think the last minute took, I'm not even joking, 45 minutes. And it was getting to the point where I was like, I don't even care who wants this game. I just mm-hmm. need this game to end in regulation. I don't want overtime. I want to go to bed. It is 1030. This is dumb. This game, nothing about this game screams confidence in the box for me. That like the second half was everything that everyone is complaining about. And I understood. And like, it was a, yes, I was pissed off because I just watched this team just decide not to care enough in the second half again against a team that you should be motivated against. Like, this is not a Washington Wizards where you just don't care because you know, okay, whatever, it's the Washington Wizards. Like, this is still Brooklyn. This is still a team you want to make make a statement against. Mm-hmm. And all the other games coming up are not teams that you can just say whatever. Like, the time of, oh, we just don't give a shit because the opponent, like, I don't need to give a shit because the Bucks don't care who the opponent is. That's not going to happen this upcoming week. And also, with the how the seeding is going to be, this could be a game that could ultimate, ultimately decide first and second, or second and third, or even having a home playoff series, like having the home advantage. Like, that is how thin the margins are, which on the one side, you could say, well, it's fine, but on the other side, it's, yeah, but you can't piss away games like this. Like, this is not anything, Brooklyn did not do anything to win that game. They just decided to not play as stupid basketball as the Milwaukee Bucks did. Yeah, I think something that stood out to me offensively was part of it stems from the fact that Pat, George, and Brooke are gone. But there's just not a lot of creativity on offense either. Um, Drew, obviously the turnovers hurt, but like sometimes, I don't know, I miss the Drew of like last year. It seems like it's not there as much this year where it's like, this is a very deliberate, like watch him like play out like the possession perfectly. He he still makes good decisions. There are still times where like he made the right call. Um, there was the Kings game a couple weeks ago. He like that 
really nice offensive possession to close it. He's like, he just recognized the defense, no problem. It seems like we're missing a little bit more of that. Chris has slowed down a little bit. He's obviously still scoring a bunch, but it also seems like he um, is looking to grift a little bit more than maybe in years past, which he's very effective at, but that's a different kind of game that he's playing. Giannis obviously is Giannis, but then outside of that, it's like, okay, Bobby for three. And I don't know, literally nobody else does anything. Grayson Allen makes some threes. We don't even give him the ball that much though. Or, Or if we do, a lot of it is he's, he has his catch and shoots, but it doesn't seem like we use him as much as I think or I would have thought we might have, I think, um, because he catch and shoot, he'll do the occasional drive, and he was driving quite a bit when he started the season, but it seems like that's kind of dropped off a little bit. It seems like he's looking more so to, if the three's not there, try and get free to like pass it off to somebody else. So I'm a bit confused by that at times. Wes is obviously... It's just a three-point guy. I hate when he drives, so that's fine. Just take three-pointers. Surge, I have no idea what the hell he's supposed to do on offense. Uh, and then everybody else that was available, pretty much net negative. So I understand in this game in particular why there wasn't that much creativity. But even then, within an offensive set, I would want a little bit more than like Drew, dribble, dribble, cool move, maybe get Giannis, dump off. Like it's just, It doesn't seem like we think all that hard about what we do on offense. And... It feels a little bit my turn, your turn at times, which is annoying. And then when we do get to the free throw line, like I said, if if you don't convert the free throws, then it's just, it's insult to injury. Because then you could get through all of that. You're like, oh, that was kind of ugly, but we didn't have that many tools. And at least you converted your free throws. Uh, now it's, if you're going to miss it, that's not that great. Now, I, I, do, I, sh- I wanted to ask you, um, Drew Holiday free throw percentage this year, 74%. Good, bad, indifferent? How do you feel about that? It feels lower than a player that I feel confident in taking free throws. Like, Chris, if this was Chris, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? Something is wrong with this guy. Giannis, I'd be like, this is great. Pop champagne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We're going, we're getting another title. I, I I feel like Drew would be more of the 80 to 85 range. Like, I would, I feel... I just trust that he would make it more. And the fact that he went four of eight is just like, a Ugh. okay. And again, this was just not a Drew, good Drew Holiday game. And some no. maybe that's just going to happen. Like Drew Holiday is going to have bad games. But yeah, 74, just it it seems like a, it. I feel like it should be higher. And maybe I'm just giving Drew Holiday more credit. And I don't know how, and I mean, historically he's been fine, but at the same time, I, I don't know. He, he's a career 77% free throw shooter. Last year, he shot 78.7% from the free throw line. The year before that with the New Orleans, it was just 70%, but he it was kind of a weird situation for them. My concern with Drew is he needs to be like stellar on one end or the other. Uh, you know, And on defense, it might be by design, but I remember like reading people going to this game, like I can't wait for Drew to just like, he's going to be able to focus solely on Kyrie. Like it's just going to be Drew and Kyrie. He didn't really do a whole bunch. Like that was probably mostly by design, but I'm like, okay, I want to see Drew be excellent on one end or the other, ideally both. But for a guy, his talent, that's just, you know, it'll happen on occasion, but mostly he's going to be one or the other. If you're not going to be, if you're going to be turning it over a whole bunch on offense, you have to be like the guy on defense 
And defensively, we were like, okay, but it's, you know, like I said, it didn't seem all that intense. So that's probably my main complaint. Like, obviously, he's still a good player. Maybe it's all like scheme. And then if it comes back to scheme, the hell is Mike Budenholzer doing? And then it goes back to like, oh, well, Mike Budenholzer doesn't really care about the regular season. So all of this comes together. I'm like, okay, whose fault is it? Like, is, are we assigning fault? Is anybody worth assigning faults? And that's, that's probably what makes it most annoying for people is like, I can't blame anybody because the entire organization stone faces, like, we don't care at all. I'm like, well, you know, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to thing, say like, to that? Everyone, like, I can't, it's not 1%. Everyone is at fault. Like, yeah. everyone is at fault because <laughs> Budenholzer at some point needs to be like, okay, get your, get your ish together. Mm-hmm. At some point, and especially late game, how many? I don't know how many times Giannis got the ball on the wing and then like got to the free throw line, and just picked up his dribble, and it's kind of a, okay, <laughs> yeah. what are we doing? I mean, yeah. you have that. You have Chris Middleton. I, this is the time, Chris. You need to have the ball and take these shots, and that's just not happening. And Drew's turning the ball over too many times, and Grayson Allen is somehow, and it's just there's nothing there on offense. So Mike Boonholzer. That's on you to figure out. Again, the third quarter, that's got to be partially on Mike Boone. Because I don't know what, why this is a yeah, that's, team. <laughs> that's for sure. There's got to be something going on in the locker room, or like I don't know what the coaching staff is doing, but there's not like it's not the encouragement. Working. Yeah, no, the intensity, whatever they're telling them. And again, maybe it just dials back to we don't give a shit. But come on, man. I mean, really, we're we're, we're professional athletes. Can we get it together, please? For God's sake, come on. Like, I don't. If you if you want to not give a shit, fine. Okay, but you can't continuously allow like forty point quarters. Like a forty three point quarter, regardless, is embarrassing. Yeah. And again, this is a game. I think the thing that frustrates is there's got to be blame because it's very clear that the Bucks lost this game. Mm-hmm. If the Bucks had, like I said, if the Bucks had just faced a dude that just got really really hot that was like some scrub okay chalk it up to that being ran up but it's like no even with Kyrie going off you still should have won this game and yet here we are sitting here with 13 missed free throws and 14 turnovers that lead to 27 Brooklyn points and a second half where they allowed 73 points (laughs) and it's just like okay and again watching it live it was one of those where it, we've seen this happen over and over and he just gets sick of it. And yeah, maybe they'll turn it around by the playoffs, but at the same time, I don't blame anyone that got annoyed with this game and got upset with it. Like I got upset. I went to bed. I woke up and it's like, okay, whatever it's, it is what it is, but I don't blame people if they were upset for a long time, because this is an annoying loss yeah. to a team that you should have beaten. Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple of like closing questions here on the Nets game. These these are good ones too. So who had the better game? Bobby Portis with 30 points or Javon Carter plus 10 in nine minutes of play? You know, for a guy that literally got off the plate, probably about half his teammates on <laughs> Thursday, I, I'll say Javon Carter. Like, we've seen this from Bobby. We know Bobby's capable of this. This is not surprising. It's always fun. He's so good. He's so good on offense. He fills that, like, trailing big man role on the perimeter so well. And yeah. I don't know how he doesn't get blocked, but he is, like... Well, he did uh, on the end. <laughs> he did at the very end, but, like, for the most part. But, like, I he's... He's so much fun on offense. Like he's he and Giannis are the only guys. I'm like I recognize you two as players on the roster. Everybody else has yet to prove it to me. But you two guys, you you're on the roster for sure. Yeah. But Javon Carter, you're right that he showed up, had all practice, a meeting with like the press for 15 minutes, and he's like it's game time. And you know what? 
plus 10 first appearance. I think the uh, Grayson had plus 20, so that's pretty impressive. It was clear what, like, he was that as advertised. Like, he is a guy that's going to dog the Mm -hmm. guy on offense. Like, he is going to do that. He came as advertised, so I am pleasantly, I, I was happy with it. Could have made a shot, sure, but that's asking too much. He knows his role. He only took one. Okay, second question. We have yet to talk about Serge Ibaka as a buck. He's played in, I'll pull it up here right like, now. What, three or four games since that trade? Four games. So here are his averages in those four games. We don't have to talk specifically about the Nets game, just in general. So he's averaged 23.5 minutes a game. Um, he's scoring seven points a game. His splits are 44% overall, 27% from three. Um, and 75% for the free throw line with 5.5 rebounds and not much else going on. How have you felt about the Serge Ibaka experience in the limited time we've had him here so far? I feel meh. Yeah, like, me too. He's not, he hasn't been bad, but it, it's funny because with DeMarcus Cousins, it was like, okay, I am getting genuinely excited by what this guy's doing. Well, Serge Ibaka's kind of a, all right, sure. <laughs> Like, yeah. And I think the biggest reason is I feel like the Bucks got him more for defensive purposes, and I just have not been overly impressed. Mm-hmm. I would agree. There have been so many times where, because of miscommunication, like, they'll do a bad switch. Like, I don't know. Apologies to whoever was on Twitter, but they did a good job capturing a couple of clips from last night where it's like, a switch, like, I have no idea what's happening. And, like, two guys, like, accidentally trail on, like, the ball handler, and then it's, like, just a dump off to, like, whoever's inside. Uh, and Serge was part of that. It's different from the PJ experience, and that's who he's going to get compared to because PJ was, like, this cannonball-built guy, and he had this, this lower center of gravity. And Serge is, like, you know, he posted a picture from his All-Star break. The guy is built like an oak tree. I mean, he is jacked. And that means he is strong, but like there's a different kind of way you play defense if you're like a long guy versus like a shorter guy, compact guy that PJ was. And I think that's just like if people were expecting to have the impact that PJ did, PJ was just, it's very obvious because he's like, oh, there's this like muscly dude just like standing guys up. And I think shirts will be fine, but I haven't been like, whoa, this is, this is really crazy. Like it's a, like you said, meh, he's been literally fine, which is probably below expectations for what people I think people are hoping for like it's only four games but probably a little bit more but maybe he'll round it the farm I don't know yeah okay and then the final question I had was uh Brooklyn Nets after this game after our first game of the season worried about playing the Nets are you confident about the Nets where are your feelings the Bucks versus the Nets if we were to face them in the playoffs vis-a-vis the no, I, I'm still not worried about the Nets, and nah. this game did nothing to change that because the Bucks were the ones that are fucking around and yeah. in the bed. So, I it, yes, these like Kyrie, Kyrie is capable of having this kind of game, and there's probably going to be a game where Kyrie and Kevin Durant absolutely obliterate the Bucks. That is probably going to happen. I've also seen Kyrie Irving lay clunker after clunker against the Milwaukee Bucks to make me not as worried, and then you're going to add Ben Simmons, so come crunch time, you don't have to focus on him. I still feel good about playing the Nets because the Bucks just need to not shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I agree. There's there's so much here where you just you want better execution, and I have this tendency to always associate Budenholzer with, like, the, oh, we'll flip a switch, but that was really 
most evident in the bubble when we were like, oh, are we going to just continue to suck? We're like, we'll get it. We're going to take care of it. And then we just sucked. Um, yeah. And last year, they, I kept like thinking, like, did we kind of do this last year? We ended the season 16 and four. Um, and the final like two losses were just like throwaway games because the season was already decided. I, I will be curious whether or not we maintain that. I would be highly skeptical that we can maintain that sort of consistency. We've been a little too up and down. Um, and if we're going to fall back on, oh, well, they're going to flip a switch. I'm nervous about that because I've seen what the Bucks flipping the switch looks like, and it's not great. Um, and maybe Giannis would be good enough that won't matter, but I, I'd be nervous about just being like, oh, we'll clean it up a little bit, and Giannis will play that much better. I mean, it'd be nice. He, he should be the best player in any series, but I want something more beyond just Giannis bail us out, please, if, yeah. if we can manage it. And I feel like a lot of it is also we the bench is just not good. And getting Pat Connaughton back will help with that. And getting George Hill will help with that. And maybe getting Brooke Lopez back would then help with that. But the bench is also just absolutely garbage. And mm-hmm. it's kind of – it is pretty much just, all right, Giannis, do something. Okay, nope. Chris, can you hit a shot? Maybe. Cool. Drew, do what you need to. All right, yep. And Bobby, can you hit some shots? All right, that's it. Nope, that's all we got. Mm-hmm. That it, it, it taps out after those four guys were like – it's will be okay, <laughs> right? I guess. Like if you're hope, like Grayson Allen, yeah. If you hit some shots, great, good job, awesome. Wes Matthews, if you hit two, more than two threes, awesome. That's a bonus. That is playing with house money. But otherwise, the bench is just a tire fire garbage right now. So yeah. I don't expect the end of the season strong to happen unless you get a healthy Pat Connaughton and George Hill back at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a weird season. Uh, it's only one game, obviously after the all-star break, we'll have to see, we have some like tests coming up this week, but very of a piece with the rest of the season where it's like, Oh, I mean, they can, they're the tools are there, but the execution or the health or the, this, and it's impossible to be like, this is what the issue is or who we can blame. So it's a very strange team right now. I, you know, it's just mixed. Everything's mixed. And I think that's appropriate for where they're at. Yeah, but nope, that's all we got. So we'll take a short ad break. And when we come back, we'll get to our fun miscellaneous topics. So stay tuned. All right. And we are back. Riley, I think you have the rapid fire questions for this week. I do. And I didn't think of them before. So I've <laughs> just been writing them as we go along. So forgive me. They're not going to be. Those are, those are going to be the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of these ones are kind of hit or miss. Uh, okay. So one. Right now, you have to put the money down. Will the Bucks repeat and win the title this year? No. I agree. <laughs> okay. Um, best sparkling water brand and the best flavor within that brand. I if you're, am, I don't know if you're a sparkling water fan. I am. But, I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I am a big Clarbrune person. What's that? Clarbrune? Yeah. It, it, okay. it, I think it is a Wisconsin only thing. <laughs> It's the it's the uh, um, new Glarus of, must of be, sparkling every waters. Every time everyone talks about like top sparkling waters, like I say, Clarbrune, like I've never heard of this thing. I was like, it's literally everywhere in Madison at the very least, and Wisconsin. <laughs> like I can go to a quick trip, and there is always a six pack of a black cherry. But my favorite flavor out of that, it's like this mango sit, like mango peach or like a citrus. That one has been really like that one I can drink at room temperature, cold, whatever. So that is probably my go to. 
I've been uh, hitting the Tapo Chico's uh, lately. That is a the, good one. The grapefruit of the lime. The lime tastes almost so close to like a little Sprite. I'm like, oh, this is like, it's really, really good. So I've been on that kick. LaCroix is fine. It's the great value of the uh, of the sparkling water. It's the, one, it's, I, you can get a bulk order at Sam's Club and you're like fine because it like covers what you need, but really <laughs> you don't want it. Yeah, the the like spin drift. I hate the ones that have like the real juice in them. I think those taste awful. So and it's scary to like just choose like a random sparkling water brand. I'm like, I hope this works out. So uh, Tapo Chico has been my go to lately. Yeah. Uh, OK, will George Hill play again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I just, how long, but yeah. there will be one game. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, he, I think we came back and Bud was like, oh, George is going to be out for another week. And we're not sure when he'll be back. So more DNP olds from George. We hope he still has a neck. <laughs> okay, um, so you have to pick up, it's like summertime, you have a break or something like that. You have to pick up like an artistic hobby, like sketching, painting, um you could do like comic book drawing like anything you could think of if you could come like what would you try your hand at first like what would be the first thing that kind of calls to you like as an art hobby that you would try your hand at? i would say painting i'm not good at drawing like i'm just not good at like sketches or trying to draw things it, it's just like not my specialty but i think painting i could at least try and like take an attempt at yeah i'll go painting okay I agree. We just got an easel today for it's for a wedding thing where we're going to keep the easel. So I've never tried painting before. Now that I already have the easel, maybe I'll get around to that. So um, and then my final question, is there a legitimate argument to say that Bobby Portis has been the second best buck this season? No, I think I think it's absolutely fair. OK, I, agree. I, I was going to say I can't really think because I was like, OK, well, Chris. But Chris is, Chris has had a stretch where it's like, uh, yes, he's doing well offensively, but it's not. It's not as efficient. Drew, like, when he's healthy, yeah, but Drew also missed a good chunk of time, so it's like, yeah, maybe not. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bobby's shooting 41% from three. He shot 47% from three last year, but I should say he's doubled his three-point I was going to say, I feel like his volume has increased substantially this year. It, it has. His rebounding is up. Like, everything is across the board. So most improved player. I thought last year I was like, wow, he's like – He's a really good player. And then he went and he took it up with a notch, like got put into the starting lineup, answered the call. The defense is sort of hit or miss, but I don't blame him because he's forced to guard the other team's big man and just kind of like pray to God he can make it work. So, Bobby, salute to you. Please take whatever paltry sum we can offer you versus what other teams are going to offer you. Please stay. <laughs> we need you really badly. Uh, so, yeah, that's my rapid fire this week. All right. Yeah, I have a film review. It's the movie Plus One. It's another rom-com. I was, like, <laughs> I was honestly saying, you're like, have I watched any movies? I was like, oh, wait, no, I did watch this one. Uh, it stars Maya Esk- Erskine, who she's pretty funny. I, I, I enjoyed her jokes and her sarcasm. Uh, Jack Quaid, son of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid. It was mm-hmm. a little mind-blowing because I was like, why does he look so familiar? Yeah. Like, who is this dude? And then I like, looked him up I was like, oh, mm-hmm. And he's also in The Boys, and I just watched that, too. So I was like, well, I don't know why I couldn't put two. But no, basically, it's you remember Holiday and how it was like, oh, we'll just like be plus ones for all these mm-hmm. weddings. And yes. then it was just like the most toxic thing. This was like the opposite. This was like good, wholesome, like, what if okay. we just became plus ones? It was a fun movie. It was definitely more of a comedy than romance, I would say, which I'm always a fan of. So 
no, it was a good time. I think six. No, no, that's I'd say seven. That's seven out of ten. Seven. Okay, all right. It, it, it's it's not long. It was like an hour and a half too, so it was not a long movie, which was nice. So I think that helped as well. I uh, is it? Is this like a Netflix special, or is this one? This where's one. Where's the home of this one? I think it was on Hulu. Okay. Yeah. Um. There was speaking of like wedding plus one. So I don't know what the hell the name like table twenty one or something. I don't know if you've heard of this, mm-hmm. but uh, my fiance's mother suggested to us, and it has Anna Kendrick as the starring role, and then um, Lisa. I can't remember her name from Friends. I can't remember her last name. Oh, yeah, name yeah, right yeah, yeah. I know, um, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. We know who we're talking about. It was maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. There was no plot. There was no resolution. The resolutions that did happen were really mad. So I am happy that your plus one movie was way better than my crappy <laughs> plus one because mine was awful. It was horrendous. It's hard to do like a right rom-com without it being like too shticky or too like too forced romance or whatever. It's hard to do. So respect to any movie like plus ones that can do it pretty well. So salute. Yeah, it was it I think it it had a good enough like yes, obviously we know these two are gonna end up together. And yes, we're I'm sure this is where like where the fight's going to happen, why they're fighting. But it felt like a natural progression. It did feel like an actual natural you know, progression to them being together wasn't just say, oh, it just happened out of nowhere. I was like, well, no, this doesn't make sense. So, and I, I think the comedy, I think it was the comedy that really made it stand out. It was like, okay, this is actually funny. That Not helps. just like corny. I hate corny or just like, like disgusting humor. I'm like, really? Yeah. It's going to be like dick jokes the entire time. Like, I'm not interested in watching this for an hour and a half. That's what it's going to be. Like, I'm sure there were a few dick jokes, but it was like... <laughs> clear like it was like a well delivered joke at the very least uh, it was it yeah. wasn't too ham-fisted yeah, yeah no it was not like a hangover like okay we get it <laughs> all right plus one seven out of ten that's pretty good that yep. goes into the kyle pantheon of film reviews it goes into the would i like if someone asked me hey i need to watch a rom-com i would recommend this one okay you'll you won't be disappointed so that's what i got all right you have a notebook I do. Um, so I was going to do a look term this week. I said, I audibled last second. I have a field notes. Uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up, I bought this a week ago because the shop right across from the brunch place is like a little um, like cabiny outdoorsy shop. Field notes is a well-known brand in the notebook community. Uh, they generally, they're smaller than this. This is like a pretty big field notes booklet. Name obviously implies what they're for. They're for taking with you on adventures, camping, whatever. Um, the paper is not great, uh, but it doesn't have to be because it's supposed to be with pencils. And so do not use a pen with this at all. It's going to bleed through immediately. Uh, I've also bought field note pencils, way too light for the paper, like the graphite on it. When I write, I'm like, I can barely see what's happening. I bought it at a whim because it was like, five bucks and i was like well i've never really had field notes before so i might as well grab it since i'm here and support a local shop i don't know why i would use this uh they have practical applications in the back and here are a couple of them uh dark secrets darker lies insomniac ramblings ninja skills acquired so they're kind of like a like a jokey ish brand too um so you know, I think it's fine if you're somebody who would like like a pocket notebook, if that's something you could get use out of. And I do know there are people that do that. 
it would probably be something worth going to. They have this cool um, quarterly releases where they do themes four times a year where it's like, oh, um, they did like last year for fall, they did this autumn embossing where one of the booklets had like an oak leaf, another had like um, a, like a pine, a couple of pine needles. Like they do some really cool things with those. This is as plain Jane as it gets, not that exciting. So if you want a simple, cheap pocket notebook, pretty good. Otherwise, uh, you could probably just find post-it notes or something. So I was going to say, fine. like, is it just like if you had a number two pencil and you were like out in the woods, it'd be fun to write with because it'd be like more durable, but otherwise. Correct. Yeah, it's got that like the it's kind of like cardboardy, not that bad, but like the material doesn't bend or it bends without like really breaking or anything. Yeah. So it, in that regard, it would be good to like put in like a coat pocket. So I get what the use cases are. I just live in a city and yeah, I, I was going to say like, I, I get the purpose of it, but it's just like, you're never going to use it. And I yeah. would never use it. If I had one, I'd probably just be like, okay, cool. I don't yeah. Know. And I think, I think like people who do like do outdoor sketching or something, there's probably something that's better built for that. So it's just, it's a product looking for a very particular person and it has a cool brand, but unless you have like a particular use case, you're probably not going to use it all that much. So it's okay. It's, all right. It's fine. So, so for our outdoorsy people, check it out. Outdoorsy people, field notes. Look for field notes. You'll love it. Awesome. And then we are going to close it out with our prediction. So Monday, um, the Bucks will be at home against Charlotte. On Wednesday, they will be home against Miami Heat. Then on Friday, the big uh, Will Grayson <laughs> Allen get attacked mid-game by a fan <laughs> as they go down to Chicago. And then Sunday is going to be a very fun and stressful game against the Phoenix Suns at home. So what are you thinking, Riley? What prediction do you have? I'm going to think they're going to go two and two this week. I think they will beat the Hornets and I think they will beat the Suns because Chris Paul is out. Obviously, other teams being injured does not stop the Bucs from losing to them. But I hope that we will rise above that. I think... The Heat are probably a little too good right now. And yes, um, Grayson Allen might die on Friday. So all those things coming together, uh, I do not feel confident about those midweek games. So I would say two and two this week. I'm also going to say two and two. I think they lose to Charlotte. I I think if what we – LaMelo Ball is going to have a field day, and that's just not making me feel good. I think the Heat, because the Bucs will have lost these two games, the Bucs will be like, okay, we're going to put in the best effort. And I think they're going to make sure to target the Heat and win because they've also just not done well playing them in the past. They're going to beat the Bulls, I think, because I think (laughs) tempers are going to be high. And I think Milwaukee will manage the emotions of the game better than Chicago. And it seems as though when Chicago is playing a legitimate team, they have folded a little bit more often. So I think that'll happen. And then they'll lose to the Suns because I will be there. So I will somehow bring that (laughs) up. So, yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. Chris Paul's out. I'm going to be there, and that's going to be the, yep, they're not going to win, and I'm going to be looking like an idiot. Are, are you going to scope out the Dante DiVincenzo clearance jerseys? You know, I, I this is my opportunity to do so. So I will check out the pro shop and see what uh, Dante jerseys are out there, and I will. that will be my chance for like okay. a $5 shirt. I might, yeah. I, I might buy it. There will be zero judgment from us if you come back without the Dante jersey. We'll be... If there's a Dante jersey on clearance, I will buy it because that is easy, that is an easy thing I could buy, and it's not going to be a dumb decision. It's not going to be the worst decision I've made. 
Okay. Very good. Well, Dante, that's, that's the, that's the high point of the Dante experiences. It won't be the worst decision for me to get a $5 clearance rack. I I brought two children under the age of two to a final game as Delta was prevalent. I I think, (laughs) um, I think buying a jersey for $5 would not be That's like, that's actually a good idea. That's a good gift for your kids because they're not going to care. They're going to be like, oh, you're like, oh, he was this great player for the Bucks. And then you give them the Dante jersey. That's, that's, yeah. Think of that angle as well. Very oh, good. No. <laughs> they they will they will lose that game because you're there. So look yes. for it. it is, it's like a two thirty tip, right? It's a yeah. midday game. Yeah, we're gonna lose by thirty. So yeah, it, look it's forward to that. DeAndre Ayton no. is gonna have fifty points. Oh <laughs> yeah, he is. Yep, very good. Well, yeah, nope, that is everything we have. So make sure to check out brewhoop.com. Riley will have his Monday morning media roundup. Van will have his report card. We'll have the extended forecast. Um, I'm sure there's gonna be other stuff. You can follow us on Twitter and for game coverage, I will not write another article about Giannis's dad jokes, but we appreciate you listening. Make sure to like subscribe and share this with your friends on whatever podcast app you listen to. And we will talk to you later. 